Welcome to the Tech Meme Right Home for Wednesday, August 24th, 2022. I'm Brian McCullough. Today, a deep dive into that Twitter whistleblower because the allegations are getting pretty interesting. And it turns out he's a bigger deal than I knew. Apple is breaking its iPadOS release cadence. Fitbit has unveiled three new wearables. And why just deciding to bring the silicon industry back on shore is not as easy as just passing billions in subsidies. Here's what you missed today in the world of tech. So this Twitter whistleblower complaint has gotten very interesting. Among the details coming out, the complaint alleges the government of India forced Twitter to hire one of its agents who could have accessed sensitive user data due to Twitter's overall weak security, quoting Reuters. Peter Mudge Zatko raised the issue with the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission, among other security lapse claims, at Twitter. He said the government agent would have had access to sensitive user data due to Twitter's weak security infrastructure, according to a redacted version of the complaint, uploaded by the Washington Post newspaper and verified by Zatko's attorney at Whistleblower Aid. A company source told Reuters that the allegations about the Indian government had surfaced previously within Twitter without elaborating further. Twitter is engaged in a legal challenge against the Indian government after it asked a local court in July to overturn some government orders to remove content from the social media platform and alleged abuse of power by officials. The next hearing in the case is set for Thursday. The company did not, in fact, disclose to users that it was believed by the executive team that the Indian government had succeeded in placing agents on the company payroll, Zatko's complaint noted, and quote. Oh, and there's this little nugget, quote, The complaint also alleges that Zatko warned the board early in his tenure that overlapping outages in the company's data centers could leave it unable to correctly restart its servers. That could have left the service down for months or even have caused all of its data to be lost. That came close to happening in 2021 when an impending catastrophic crisis threatened the platform's survival before engineers were able to save the day, the complaint says, without providing further details. One current and one former employee recalled that incident when failures at two Twitter data centers drove concerns that the service could have collapsed for an extended period. I wondered if the company would exist in a few days, one of them said. Security and privacy have long been top company-wide priorities at Twitter, said Twitter spokeswoman Rebecca Hahn. She said that Zatko's allegations appeared to be, quote, riddled with inaccuracies, end quote, and that Zatko, quote, now appears to be opportunistically seeking to inflict harm on Twitter, its customers, and its shareholders, end quote. Hahn said that Twitter fired Zatko after 15 months, quote, for poor performance and leadership, end quote. Attorneys for Zatko confirmed he was fired, but denied it was for performance or leadership, end quote. So, Who is this Peter Zatko, a.k.a. Mudge? Well, according to the Washington Post, he's sort of a hacker legend. He worked at DARPA, Google, and Stripe before Twitter and was a member of the hacker group's Loft and Cult of the Dead Cow. Quote, Zatko, who was fired in January less than two years after then-Chief Executive Jack Dorsey brought him on, says he is simply trying to fulfill his commitment to make Twitter and its users, including dissidents of authoritarian regimes, safer through any legal means. That tracks with why Dorsey hired him in the first place as an expert known for following his own moral compass and telling the truth to urge change, even at personal risk. His longtime motto, make a dent in the universe. Zatko51 has a long track record of forcing secrets into the open, especially when they protect malicious activity or corporate irresponsibility. By age 30, he had written one of the most powerful tools for cracking passwords, still in use, 
testified to Congress under his hacker handle about the susceptibility of the internet to drastic hacks, and co-founded one of the first hacking consultancies backed by venture capital, aiming to bring insights from the cyber underground into major companies with the most to lose. Zacco turned a temporary tech support assignment into a real security job at what was then called BBN Technologies, an elite government contractor responsible for the early internet's basic plumbing. In those days, the most serious hacking was done inside such big labs, experimenting on mainframes and networks of smaller computers. In 1996, Zacco joined The Loft, often held up as the first U.S. hackerspace. The collective included a handful of hardware, software, and wireless tinkerers who won renown for issuing public warnings about security flaws in programs. Zacco and fellow Loft member Christian Ryu, later co-founder of security company Vericode, also joined a larger and wilder group, Cult of the Dead Cow, which coined the term hacktivism, a portmanteau of hacking and activism that the group said promoted human rights by spreading information and fighting censorship and surveillance. An early member of that group was Beto O'Rourke, now running for governor of Texas. Zatko later joined the Pentagon Innovation Center DARPA, the Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency. There he created a fast-track program to dole out small grants quickly, giving loan hackers a way to help the government. Zatko returned to the corporate world by working on special projects at Motorola Mobility and Google, which soon bought the company. Zacco also advised Google security team members, including distinguished engineer Niels Provost, who led hundreds of specialists. His next stop was electronic payments startup Stripe, which had a small security team despite becoming a massive target for criminals as its popularity soared. After the 2020 Twitter hack, Dorsey lured Zacco away from Stripe, telling him he had been inspired by Zacco's career. Two sources familiar with the conversation said, Jack loves hackers and Mudge is a hacker legend, one of them said, on the condition of anonymity to discuss internal company matters, end quote. Well, Democrats and Republicans in Congress are investigating Zacco's claims and are seeking a meeting with him to get more info. And yes, experts say Elon Musk's legal team could use Zacco's whistleblower complaint to bolster its arguments or seek more time in its suit against Twitter. Quote, the allegations about bots strengthen Musk's case for sure because you have someone with inside knowledge, said Anthony Casey, a professor of law and economics at the University of Chicago Law School. But he cautioned that the allegations don't seem to be a smoking gun because there doesn't appear to be concrete evidence that the company was intentionally lying about the number of bots. It has to be more than just, you guys were sloppy about this because you didn't really care, Casey said. It adds to Musk's case, but I still think that he's got a weak case, end quote. I don't know. What's the phrase Musk is trying to prove? Material adverse effect? Seems at the very least like Musk and his lawyers have got some fuel for that particular fire now. Apple has officially said that iPadOS will ship after iOS this fall as version 16.1, thereby skipping iPadOS version 16, full stop, a break from releasing iOS and iPadOS updates concurrently, quoting TechCrunch. This means the first version of iPadOS 16 will ship to non-beta users after the arrival of the first iOS version. It seems likely the two 16.1 releases will arrive at or around the same time, though Apple hasn't confirmed the speculation. The move is unique, but not unprecedented for Apple software releases. It may also represent a further differentiation between the OSs, which have been mostly uniform save for workflow and other features customized for the larger screen. 
The two operating systems are built on the same foundation, but it seems likely the company will do more to distinguish the two going forward as it continues to position the iPad as a tool for serious work. As Apple notes in its comment, at the very least, this means that, much like, say, macOS, the iPadOS release is not directly tied to the iOS release schedule. The company can update the tablet's operating system as it sees fit, end quote. By the way, iPadOS 16.1 beta code indicates that iOS 16.1 could let users delete the Wallet app, probably in response to EU antitrust concerns over Apple Pay. Plex is telling users to reset passwords immediately after a hacker accessed some data, including emails, usernames, and encrypted passwords. Quoting Engadget. Plex users may want to change their passwords as soon as they're able. The digital media player and streaming service said a bad actor had infiltrated its system in a letter sent to users affected by the breach. In it, the company has revealed that it immediately started an investigation after it saw suspicious activity in one of its databases. Based on what it saw, Plex said, It does appear that a third-party entity got access to a subset of its data, which includes people's emails, usernames, and encrypted passwords. Even Troy Hunt of Have I Been Pwned was affected. As he noted in his tweet, there's nothing anyone can do to be exempt from service hacks, but using a password generator and two-factor authentication make their impact much less severe. To note, he encountered an error while trying to change passwords and found that not signing out existing devices made the switch go through. Plex said it has already addressed the method the bad actor used to infiltrate its system, but it didn't elaborate on what method that is or what vulnerability the hacker exploited, if any. The company also vowed to do additional reviews to make sure its systems are, quote, further hardened to prevent future incursions. For now, Plex is requiring all users to change their passwords out of an abundance of caution, even if all the passwords the hacker got access to were hashed. It also assured all users in its letter that it doesn't store credit card numbers and other payment data in its servers, so the bad actor wasn't able to get access to them, end quote. When you go through airport security, there's one line where the TSA agent checks your ID and another line where a machine scans your bag. The same thing happens in enterprise security, but instead of passengers and luggage, it's end users and their devices. These days, most companies are pretty good at the first part of the equation where they check user identity, but user devices can roll right through authentication without getting inspected at all. In fact, 47% of companies allow unmanaged, untrusted devices to access their data. That means an employee can log in from a laptop that has its firewall turned off and hasn't been updated in six months. Or worse, that laptop might belong to a bad actor using employee credentials. Collide finally solves the device trust problem. Collide ensures that no device can log into your Okta-protected apps unless it passes your security checks. Plus, you can use Collide on devices without MDM, like your Linux fleet, contractor devices, and every BYOD phone and laptop in your company. Visit collide.com slash ride to watch a demo and see how it all works. That's K-O-L-I-D-E dot com slash ride, collide.com slash ride. I'm going to a big AI startup demo day here in the city tomorrow, and I will 100% be decked out in Mac Weldon clothing. 
Why? Well, Mack Weldon makes timeless apparel with modern performance fabrics for guys who want to look and feel sharp without sacrificing comfort. Mack Weldon clothes are designed to fit your style and the demands of modern life. They look like regular clothes, but feel like the latest in modern comfort. They're the go-to choice for guys who want to look great without even trying. Breathable underwear that keeps you cool, dry, and comfy all day. That's their Airnet underwear. Crazy, comfortable, but elevated sweatpants, the Ace Collection. An upgraded classic polo with antimicrobial silver threads, the Silver Peak polo. That's my personal fave. And ultra-soft antimicrobial tees for when you need to stay fresh longer. Their Silver Crewneck t-shirt. Get timeless looks with modern comfort from Mack Weldon. Go to MacWeldon.com and get 20% off your first order with promo code RIDE. That's M-A-C-K-W-E-L-D-O-N.com, promo code RIDE. Fitbit this morning announced three new wearables, the entry-level $100 Inspire 3, which claims a 10-day battery life, alongside the $230 Versa 4 and $300 Sense 2, none of which run Google's Wear OS 3. Quoting Wired, Today, Fitbit released updates to three of its most popular fitness wearables, the Inspire 3, the Versa 4, and the Sense 2. All three are available for pre-order starting today. Each is slimmer and smarter than before, but all of the new watches still use Fitbit's own operating system and not the latest iteration of parent company Google's wearable OS. Fitbit has at least updated the operating system of the Versa and Sense to more closely mimic competitors like the Apple Watch. And so far, Google feature creep seems to be minimal, such as the ability to easily access Google Maps and Google Wallet on your wrist. If you're curious to see Google's thinking about how a Wear OS device should behave, maybe October's Pixel Watch debut will be a better forecast of things to come. The Inspire 3 is an update to Fitbit's entry-level wearable. At $100, it's the company's most affordable tracker and a clear competitor to Garmin's Vivo Smart Line. There's a host of features that you really don't see that often in a tracker at this price, like an always-on colored AMOLED display and 10-day battery life, which will probably be closer to a week based on my experience with other Inspire models. Along with the ability to track classic Fitbit stats like step count and distance covered, the Inspire 3 also has newer health monitoring features. It has always-on tracking for blood oxygen and skin temperature, as well as irregular heartbeat rhythms that could be indicative of atrial fibrillation. Fitbit says these features have received both FDA clearance and CE marking. It also includes features that were previously available only on higher-end trackers like Active Zone Minutes, which pings you whenever your heart rate goes up into cardio, fat burning, or peak zones. The Versa 4 is optimized more for working out with built-in GPS and 40 different exercise modes. However, the Sense 2 now has a new body response sensor. When you measured stress on the first Sense, you held your hand on the watch's metal bezel. Rather than spot testing, the Sense 2 now continuously monitors your electrodermal activity along with your heart rate, heart rate variability, and skin temperature to help you identify your stress triggers. A check-in button prompts you to decompress with stress management tools like guided breathing. Both watches are also much lighter and thinner than previous iterations. The Versa and Sense lines include accessories designed by the black-owned fashion brand Brother Vili's. There are infinity band options as well, certainly a take on the Apple Solo Loop. As with the Inspire 3, the daily readiness score, sleep profiles, and advanced stress management metrics are all available with a Fitbit Premium subscription. At least Fitbit offers six months of Fitbit Premium for free with the purchase of any of its trackers." End quote. 
Finally today, a look at Intel's challenges in building its $20 billion Ohio chip fabs set to open in 2025, including the problem of finding 7,000 construction workers during a local building boom. It turns out you can't just flip a switch and bring an industry back on shore after it's been lying dormant for a decade, quoting the Associated Press. Ohio's largest ever economic development project comes with a big employment challenge, how to find 7,000 construction workers in an already booming building environment when there's also a national shortage of people working in the trades. At hand is the $20 billion semiconductor manufacturing operation near the state's capital announced by Intel earlier this year. When the two factories known as FABs open in 2025, the facility will employ 3,000 people with an average annual salary of around $135,000. Construction is expected to accelerate following Congress's approval last month of a package boosting the semiconductor industry and scientific research in a bid to create more high-tech jobs in the U.S. and help it better compete with international rivals. It includes more than $52 billion in grants and other incentives for the semiconductor industry, as well as a 25% tax credit for those companies that invest in chip plants in the U.S. For the Central Ohio Project, all 7,000 construction workers aren't required right away. They're also only a portion of what will be needed as the Intel Project transforms hundreds of largely rural acres about 30 minutes east of Columbus. Just six months after Intel revealed the Ohio operation, for example, Missouri-based Van Trust Real Estate announced it was building a 500-acre, 200-hectare business park next door to house Intel suppliers. The site's 5 million square feet is equivalent to nearly nine football fields. Other projects for additional suppliers are expected. Labor leaders and state officials acknowledge there's not currently a pool of 7,000 extra workers in central Ohio, where other current projects include a 28-story Hilton near downtown Columbus, a $2 billion addition to the Ohio State University's medical center, and a $365 million Amgen biomanufacturing plant not far from the Intel plant. And that's not counting at least three new Google and Amazon data centers, plans for a new $200 million municipal courthouse south of downtown Columbus, and solar array projects that could require nearly 6,000 construction jobs by themselves. Federal data shows about 45,000 home and commercial construction workers in central Ohio. That number is increased by 1,800 from May 2021 to May 2022, meaning a future deficit given current and future demands. I don't know of a single commercial construction company that's not hiring, said Mary Tebu, executive director of the Builders Exchange of Central Ohio, a construction industry trade association. Offsetting the imbalance are training programs, a push to encourage more high school students to enter the trades, and pure economics. Including overtime, pay for skilled tradespeople could hit $125,000 annually, said Dorsey Hager, Executive Secretary Treasurer of the Columbus Building Trades Council, end quote. Chris and I are doing a Twitter space tomorrow night at the usual time, but if you've been listening in before we start recording, I've had no end of technical issues with my standard recording setup. Basically, I can't hear what anyone is saying. I've had to resort to using wired earbuds and just hoping that Chris has recorded successfully, but I'm gonna try to test things out again and get everything back on track. So if you see me open up a Twitter space, either this afternoon or more likely tomorrow afternoon, please jump into the room with me for about five minutes or so, so I can test things out. Happy to talk to you about whatever, whilst that happens. Talk to you tomorrow.